You're listening to the Survival A to Z podcast, Strategies to Thrive, from business for life. My guest for this episode is Nadine Baggett, doyenne of the beauty industry and seriously important Instagrammer and YouTube beauty blogger at the age of 57. From the list of words I gave her, Nadine chose longevity as one of her themes to explore. Longevity is an art in any industry, but in beauty, where the very name of the industry has always been identified with being young, longevity is a particularly hard nut to crack. Unless you are Nadine Baggett. I suddenly realised that I was starting to become the sort of grand dame of my industry, the older woman in my industry, and I quite like that role. I've leveraged my age as being my unique selling point. And what are the key learnings for such a long, illustrious and relevant career? Slow and steady wins the race. When I was younger, I just had to work hard and knuckle down and play the game. Always come from a place of yes. How does Nadine really feel about being older in an industry populated by the young and obsessively beautiful? Ageism is absolutely the last acceptable form of discrimination. You ignore me at your peril because you treat me like I'm a minority and actually I'm the majority. Unless you come to a position of self-empowerment and self-awareness that you are proud of your age, you're on a hiding to nothing. I do genuinely believe if you think of life as being a climb up a mountain, you don't want to be helicoptered into the top. You couldn't breathe. You've got to strengthen your lungs on the way up. And of course, Nadine and I both know that the greatest benefit of age is confidence. One starts not to care what others think and to understand that none of it whatever it is, really matters in the longest run. It's being physically and metaphorically knocked down and getting up and saying life won't beat me. I'm too old for this shit. I'm too tired for this shit. I'm over this shit. My guest is Nadine Baggett, journalist, beauty blogger and proud, self-proclaimed beauty hag. This episode is about longevity, a thing both Nadine and I feel qualified to discuss Why? Well, we are exactly the same age, but for six months. Nadine has been an award-winning journalist for print, broadcast, television, and most recently digital and social media for the last 35 years. She turned to YouTube and Instagram four years ago at the age of 53, go you Nadine, to explore these quite different ways of connecting. In that time, she's grown an extremely loyal following for both these platforms, using her expert knowledge, frank assessment of products and delightful self-deprecating humour to entertain as well as inform her growing audience. Nadine, welcome. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Nadine, the famous American philosopher Noam Chomsky likened longevity to riding a bike. He was my favourite whenever I was doing philosophy at university. I loved Noam Chomsky. And what he said was, if you don't want to fall off, you have to keep going fast. While Terry Pratchett explained the age of the pyramids like this, 7,000 years just adds up to one day at a time. So Nadine, cycling fast or steady, steady wins the race. What is the secret to your longevity? Slow and steady wins the race. I don't really? under, yes, abs- absolutely. And I think it's, it's partly because of where I come from. So I come from a, a quite standard working class background. And so for me, the only way I could escape the, the area I grew up in, um, no disrespect to my parents, I owe them everything, was I couldn't dream too big. I could literally put one foot in front of the other. 
and keep my eye on the prize. And my eye on the prize was always to be a career woman who lived this glamorous, and at this point I'm using my fingers for quotation marks, life in London. Because for me, that was the dream. I love my mother deeply. She's an incredibly sweet, nurturing woman, but I wanted to be the opposite of what she was growing up. I wanted to be empowered. I wanted to own my own property. I wanted to be able to um, balance a checkbook. I wanted a career. I, um, my father, luckily enough, he had two daughters, encouraged me to do that my entire life. He never once said to me that I couldn't do something because I was a girl. So my in it's very interesting. When you're young, I think, Youth is um, a state of innocence, I suppose. And, and I, I truly believe that we're all ageist when we're young, by default. I think it's pretty much within our community, within our culture. I think there are other cultures that are much more respectful of longevity and age. But in our culture, especially within the beauty industry, I think most people by default are, are ageist. And I think they're ageist because they're frightened of getting older and they're frightened of death. And that's a whole other discussion. Um, so I didn't realise the importance of longevity until I got to my age, our age now, which was looking back and realising it was simply a question of one foot in front of the other. Even if you fell, you got up, you carried on. And now I realise that what I've done is I've leveraged the longevity of my career, not as something to be ashamed of. I've leveraged my age as being my unique selling point. I think that is so true. I think... You know, whenever I, whenever I say to people, they say, but how did you do all those things, all those different you know things in my career? Because I, unlike you, didn't have a clear plan. I was on a path of discovery, I think, um, all through my 20s, trying to understand what it was that I wanted to do with my life. I thought I wanted to be an actress when I was 18. I probably did want to be an actress when I was 18, to be fair. I, went to drama I think we college. all do, don't we? Yeah. Well, I went, I went to drama I wanted college. to be Jessica Lang when I was 18. <laughs> but I, but I, I didn't have the confidence um, to be, to be an actor. Um, I was tall and gawky and different, very different in those days. Um, you know, an actor being any actor, male or female, being five foot ten or eleven was just, um, you know, outrageous. A female actor of that height was just a, a no goer, um, and I just didn't have, I just didn't have the the will to do it. Which was ironic because what happened was I ended up going into the fashion industry specifically for the same reasons that I left the um, the um, thespian industry was because I physically fit that thing. But that was never enough. The physical, the physicality was never enough. So what I had to do was just learn who did I want to become as I got older. So when, so I did a whole variety of things. I worked in broadcasting, I worked in fashion, I worked in politics, I worked in academia. I did all these massive things before I started the business, which is the longest single thing I've done. But I started that when I was 40 and I'm now 57. So, you know, 17 years, that's been the longest single running thing. So when people say to me, how did you do all those other things? That's incredible. I'm just like, but I was so old when I started and I'm so old now. And they all go, so no, you're, you're not old. And I'm Pratchett. <laughs> In this analogy. <laughs> a bit, a bit. I'm a bit of the Chomsky. And they, they uh, but then I loved Noam Chomsky. So, you know, he was just my hero. Um, but the, 
But the thing is, then then young girls go, oh, don't say that. Oh, don't you don't you're not old. And I'm like, no, I am. And that's OK. Like, I quite like that. I wouldn't go back to being in my mid-twenties for all the tea in China. When people ask me my age on social media, they always apologize first. They always say, I know I shouldn't ask you this, but... And I I was thinking about this, obviously, because when you we, we chose the word longevity, I thought, unless you come to a position of self-empowerment and self-awareness that you are proud of your age, you're on a hiding to nothing. Because you're not getting anything but older. You are literally never going to be as young, as beautiful and as healthy as you are in this very moment. And if you come to that realisation, then every day is a celebration that you are getting older. And I think the secret to feeling better about longevity is to surround yourself by powerful, inspirational women who are older than you. So I deliberately, within social media that is essentially populated by young, beautiful, juicy flesh, I deliberately surround myself on Instagram with women who either have something to say or who are older than me and have something to say, which is even better, or who are older than me, have something to say and are aspirational. So if I look at the people who are most heartwarming on my social media feed, they're women who are five, 10 years older than me. And it's the same within beauty. If I look at some of my closest friends in beauty, I've in fact accidentally become a little bit of a mentor to younger people than myself. But if I look at the women who I would, I'd look at and admire within my industry, they're the women who have created brands who are now in their mid 60s. And they are, even if we have fundamentally different views on what a brand should be or you know, what it should contain, they are so empowering. I have nothing but respect for any woman older than me who has created something and stood on their own two feet. Because it's hard enough for my generation, so I can't imagine having grown up in the 50s and 60s and become this incredible brand founder. Um, so, yes, I think you ne always need to surround yourself by somebody who is taking longevity by the horns and riding, let's take that metaphor, and riding that rodeo. I really think that. I, I just do. Surround yourself by powerful, informed, interesting women. And I know, with, that's another thing we have in common. We're both 5'10", we're both 57, and we both adore women. I, I love, I genuinely love working with women. And I, what I'm really enjoying actually is introducing my friends. I mean, it's basically a friend at a time, but introducing my friends to Instagram, because I think that there's such an opportunity um, in Instagram to have a voice, to explore beautiful images, um, and they don't have to be images of beautiful people. They can just be beautiful images of all kinds of things and um, and to be meaningful. And I think that it's the last one. It's being meaningful. As you get older, you understand what meaningful means, if you like. Um, and and that becomes an inspiration, I think, for other people, but also an inspiration for yourself. You remind yourself of what's important. That's what I do when I when I'm on social. And I think it's. It's so important. And, and now, interestingly, after 17 years of working in business, in doing this podcast, for instance, I'm going back to my original yeah, roots, roots, your radio roots when I was in my 20s and 30s of doing um, broadcast. Because basically, podcasting is just broadcasting 
there you go. Podcasting is broadcasting in a different form. But what, what's um, interesting about social media is, and you might not know this, but because I was, I remember somebody once saying to me, you're, you're an old adopter to YouTube, but you're a young adopter for a woman of your age. And I remember thinking, I didn't realize I was sort of being a pioneer simply by being the age I am. And I turned to digital because I felt that traditional media was losing its way and, and losing its voice because it has, you know, newspapers, magazines, circulations have contracted. Um, so I went into YouTube at a time really nobody in the UK was doing it at my age. And then I went into Instagram and there are a few people, but there aren't many. But, you know, the fastest growing audience for Instagram is women over 35 and 45. My figures used to be three or four years ago, all my followers were 25 to 35. Not only are they physically getting older themselves, but women are coming across from other platforms. So whereas the young generation have moved into TikTok, the our generation, I nearly said the older generation, but our generation are coming out of Facebook because it's owned by Instagram and coming across from Instagram. So Instagram is getting older by the day. So I've accidentally tapped in, accidentally on purpose, tapped into something that was an existing platform for young people, but was the future platform for our generation. And we will and fundamentally it, change what that platform stands for because we simply won't be about artifice and superficiality. Yeah. And there is space on that platform uh, for everybody to as well. express. If you, yeah, yeah if you think there's space about for everybody and there's space what to express. That platform, you know? does. That, platform, that platform helped drive the Black Lives Matter movement, it helped drive yeah. the awareness of George Floyd. Um, Breonna Taylor. It helped drive the body positivity, body neutrality movement, the pride movement. It's a way of plugging into your people. And when I first plugged into it, there weren't many of our people, but there are a growing number of our people. And the more women, I'm desperate to support women my age on it, the more women that do it, that have longevity of career and experience and, and life and all these things, the more we will feed into each other. And we will eventually yes. take over that platform. Because if there's one thing a middle-aged woman can do, we can sneak in and take over. <laughs> we, can, we can get, we know that. We know how to do that. And I think also, I would like to think that that we can be an influence for good. Yes. With the, with the younger people on the platform um, and show them what Instagram can be for. And that it can be for so much more than just image. Because I think even as I know the younger women, in my life, who are, you know, my daughter, my stepdaughters, um, my um, daughters-in-law and so on, you know, who are in that kind of mid-20s age group. And as they even mature, they all realize that that they want something more and deeper and mm -hmm. a place to express themselves. And they want to get engaged. And that is great. That is really, really great. It's Tell me this on longevity. Sorry, it's very interesting because when, no, when I started my platforms, I thought I would just be speaking to my age and that they'd be hard to find. But actually, I speak to all ages. And so I have people saying, I'm going to tell my mum about you. You remind me of my older sister. Or I must tell my teenage daughter about you. Because actually, if you have a position of longevity and experience and knowledge, it is applicable to everybody. Of course. Of course. And that is, isn't that the point of, you know, deeper, richer societies that they, <clears throat> richer as in not with money, um, but richer with culture, that um, that they do understand that bonus of having um, age and experience, that this is 
really what it's all about. As you say, you're not getting any younger ever. Nobody is. And actually getting old is a lot better than the alternative. It's a privilege. There's only there's only one alternative to getting old, and that is to not being here. Mm-hmm. So and and actually getting old is also joyful, I think. It's quite freeing. I mean, in my case, I mean, I'm not talking about old and dodgy. I'm just talking about adding years and adding experience is quite a freeing thing because the more experience you have, the more you realize what you can let go in terms of worries and, you know, stresses and, um, you know, niggles and, and anxieties. You can just let it all go. None of it matters. None of it matters. And that's what longevity teaches you. I it guess. teaches you that's perspective. What... Yeah. And totally. you need... To, to ha- if you think about the physicality of perspective, to have physical to be- to have perspective, you need to stand back. You need to zoom out. You can mm-hmm. only zoom out if you've got that array of years that you've lived. So you can. That's it. I think it's really important to zoom back in and remember and plug into your childhood and remember how you felt and have empathy for yourself as a teenager and in your twenties and thirties and whatever crisis you went through in your life. But you literally have to be older to zoom fully out. And to think, mm-hmm. I can put this all into perspective. Yeah, And that's a gift. All... That's truly a gift. It Sorry, is truly I a gift. I a question you were asking me earlier on. No, I was going to say it's all learnings. It's all learnings. I'm going back to a question because I think you might have answered it, but just, just to focus on it. How important are the foundations to a long career? Can you pivot if you get it wrong? And if you pivot... Will that weaken or strengthen your opportunity for longevity, do you think? I mean, bearing in mind, we've chatted about the fact that my career is linear and yours is probably much more like climbing mountains. Um, And you've climbed many mountains of which I'm completely in awe. And mine has literally just been one long climb to the summit. Um, But I've gone different ways. I've tried different ways and moved across and stuff like that. For me, the foundations are everything. And this is what I was saying about slow and steady wins the race, because because I came from a working class background and I was the first person in my family to go to university, it, it was very hard for me to get into the media. The media is very elitist. Uh, it does like a red brick university. It does like a girl with an unearned income, I, both of which I had. I, I had neither of which. Um, so I literally had to knuckle down and just keep quiet for a few years. And while that was frustrating at the time, um, it was literally, to use another analogy, It was like building the foundation blocks of a really strong building. Um, And I feel in some ways um, sorry for people that have overnight success because that must be incredibly hard to cope with. I was 21 when I was graduated. When I graduated, like most people, I was 25 before I got a full time, decent job. 27 before I got a job in magazines. 29 before I became a beauty editor. Uh, And then I was made redundant at 32 um, and I went freelance. And every time I faced adversity in my career or I faced snobbishness or elitism or classism, I just knuckled down and learned. And and that made me better and stronger at what I am. And and actually, the opportunities I got via my career are slightly accidental. So I remember getting the call from the press office one day on a magazine and somebody saying, oh, a TV company wants to leverage your feature, but they don't just want to steal it. So will you come on and present it? I was like, yeah, sure. Always come from a place of yes. Or 
Um, do you want to appear on radio? Yeah, that sounds like fun. Of course I do. You know, you just sort of, the opportunities were so exciting to me. And even though I probably in that moment had zero experience at doing any of them, I just quite couldn't quite believe that I was being given these opportunities. And and that's how I learned. I learned from the ground up. And it, that's so important. It's so important. I I can't imagine being an overnight success. No wonder all of those overnight successes that you see on things like X Factor and those child actors are so messed up because you're not equipped. I do genuinely believe if you think of life as being a climb up a mountain, you don't want to be helicoptered into the top. You couldn't breathe. You've got to strengthen your lungs on the way up. I, t- I, totally, I totally agree. Here's a question for you. We used to hear, I remember hearing this a lot, um, I'm sure you do too, since we are the same age, which was um, you would hear calls for older talent, older people in a in a work situation, whatever. You know, we even had a retirement age. I don't know if people, if younger people would realize this, but we used to have a retirement age called 60. Um, but that is, that is gone over this last five or 10 years. Everybody's accepted that they have to work, you know, much longer in their lives. My father worked until he was 89. Never would have thought not to work. Wouldn't have known how not to work. Um, but we did used to hear in corporates and in, in all kinds of jobs, you have to retire to make way for the younger to come in. Okay. But now we have social media. I kind of wonder, is there enough room for everybody? Do you know what I mean? Well, um, I, t- I tell you what has happened in my industry, because my industry, uh, both within magazines, but also within uh, the beauty business is is going through a tough time. It, it ha- is going through a tough time. A lot of the the big corporations have let go of the women my age because they can't afford them. They would ri- rather hire two twenty six year olds than keep on one fifty two year old because if you have um, and this rule doesn't apply to men, uh, which speaks of misogyny in business. Um, but if you have a woman who gets to the point of being a brand manager or a CEO, and there are very very few of them in an industry fueled by, created by, consumed by, manufactured by women. Once you get to the top, there are fewer and fewer and fewer women. And when the recession hit in 2008, most of the women my generation, probably they would have been in their early 50s in 2008, were made redundant because they cost too much money, because it was easier to hire young people. But then you get a crisis happening whatever in whatever situation, a business crisis, a social media crisis. And you you look to somebody for experience, and you've got you've got rid of all the people who had experience. So the yeah. smart women I know have had to pivot. They've either had to create their own con, uh, businesses, or they've had to create their own brands, or like me, they've just pivoted. They've stayed in media but changed to a modern form of media, or they've become consultants. And they're busiest in times of crisis because in times of crisis you need a steady head, and you need somebody with experience. You need somebody that's lived through crisis. And I wouldn't want, I always say that the reason that we become more confident as we're older is because we've lived through adversity. I wouldn't wish the adversity I've lived through at the age of 57 on a single 17-year-old. So why would they expect the confidence that comes with that adversity? Confidence comes from mastering, overpowering and overcoming adversity. And that's why older people are more confident. And why would you want that young person to go through? You think of the traumas in your life. You're losing parents, illness, you know, losing loved ones, 
being made redundant, overcoming illness, all those things, moving house, you know, all those things that are, are really traumatic, maybe divorce, whatever. You wouldn't wish that on a young person. But it's only by overcoming life's adversities through through longevity, through living, literally living through them, that you become much more confident in who you are as a person. Because it's being physically and metaphorically knocked down and getting up and saying, life won't beat me. Isn't there that thing, that wonderful graph? Have you ever seen it? Which is a graph of years lived and give a shit. Mm. And uh, there's the, you know, you give, you, you you get very concerned about stuff. You give a huge shit what, the younger you are and the older you get. <laughs> the longer the graph a, goes towards age and the, and the give a shit like, a, meter is like to the floor because you just, you stop caring because you know this too shall pass. Well, th this too shall pass, but also there's a brilliant T-shirt that says, I'm too old for this shit. I'm too tired for this shit. I'm over this shit or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I do, I think, I mean, I think we all have foibles. I still very much care what is said about me on social media and things will sting. But by the same token, you also learn that this too shall pass, that it'll go on and you can't worry about it. and You can't let somebody else's judgment of you. Uh, ruin your day. You have to carry on doing what you're doing. As long as you're secure in what you're saying and your knowledge and your experience and, and your intent, you have to be secure in your intent. So you, I would say to anybody, you know, don't go into social media, don't go into YouTube, don't go into podcasting if you think you're going to make money. That can't be your intent. If it happens, that's wonderful, but it can't be your intent. So if your intent is education, you know, um, information, entertainment, then you're fine. You'll be fine because that's relatively easy to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy yourself. And I think and that that's you longevity within your career as well. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, I know that, you, that we've discussed this and you've said that your um, experience is really important um, to your current success and probably part of what you're bringing that's different. But what do you think your USP is and has it always been the same? I think when I was younger, um, I don't think I had a USP. I think there were lots of hungry young people out there. Um, I just had to uh, work hard and knuckle down and play the game. Um, and in the 70s and 80s and 90s, you, you didn't complain, you played the game. Um, and because especially if you were part of a big corporate structure, and then as I started to get older and the women my age started to fall away, um, either because they were sadly made redundant or because they'd married well, which I never did. <laughs> and they retired to Marbella or wherever it was like that, you know. Oh, um, my God, it sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I how, where, how did went, we miss that trick? I how don't know. I never once chose a partner based on the depth of his wallet ever um that was abhorrent to me as a working class feminist anyway but so so whatever I suddenly realized that I was starting to become the sort of grand dame of my industry the old woman in my industry and I quite like that role I quite like looking people people looking to me for advice and experience and that sort of stuff and also you become less threatening as you're older because young people don't they don't think of you as being you know, a threat. You're not a threat to them because, you know, you're 10 or 15 years older and you've moved on in your career and whatever. Um, so they can take their eye off the ball. And the most common thing people say to me now is, I can't believe you did it. Oh, my God, you did that. People come up to me now in the industry and say, you really did it, didn't you? And I was like, oh, God, I don't start anything and mean to fail. 
<laughs> and what was interesting was I was literally just changing the platform on which I was I was using my voice. I wasn't changing my voice. So when I suddenly thought about doing YouTube and Instagram, it made perfect sense to me because I was a television presenter and journalist of 30 years. So all I had to do was teach myself the technicalities, like you teaching yourself the technicalities of podcasting. All I had to do was teach myself to light myself, edit myself. I mean, it wasn't an easy thing to do, but the, the basic skill set has kept me through my career. So again, it's, think of that analogy of me climbing the mountain. I tried one way. I found it was part, it was blocked. That pass was blocked. So I just skirted left and carried on up. So because, do you think your USB is tenacity? Oh, I'm hugely tenacious. But no, my USP now is, is my age. My U USP now is the fact that I am literally the only 57, 58 tomorrow, 58-year-old woman doing it. And Isn't and, that amazing? I love that. I and, love and, that. And I, <laughs> I, I actually speak regularly to people and I say to them, um, I speak to groups of people and I'll be speaking to marketeers or manufacturers or PRs or something like that. And I'll say um, ageism is absolutely the last acceptable form of discrimination. And I said, and I'll, and I'll make you feel better, every single one of you out there. When I was your age, I was ageist too. Mm -hmm. But you, you ignore me at your peril because you treat me like I'm a minority. And actually, I'm the majority. So in 2020, 50% of the population are over 50. We have more discretionary spend than any other group. We outspend the under 25s by one and a half times. We, uh, we spend all our money on cars and holidays and second homes because they're areas that don't ignore us and respect us. But when it, you've grown up in an industry where you've been loyal to brands your entire life, to suddenly see that you are invisible to that brand is, is shocking and a little bit insulting. But I will turn that into a career. I will be the 57-year-old woman that that brand has to use because there are no other 57-year-old women out there. And I will encourage other women my age to get into my space because there's more than enough work to go around. And yeah, I, I didn't have a, a USP. My USP was that I was a, a nosy, tenacious journalist who wanted to get to the truth of beauty, what worked, what didn't work, what you were wasting your money on. And then add to that that I was the, the oldest journalist in the industry. I only worked in my favor because why would you trust a 27-year-old when you could trust a 57-year-old who knew what worked because she tried it all and had tried it all for 30 years? Indeed, 100%. You are so, so right. It's, it's that wealth of, of, of the, the backlog, you know, Ooh. the capital that you've built up over time, um, which you store away and pull out and go, oh, yeah, I remember um, like 15 years ago, they tried that thing and it didn't work then either. <laughs> the whole time, it's, I think the beauty industry is, is predicated on always having young people tell its story because they don't know the background. So when when I, when Trini did her stacking, she went, I've got stackers. These are amazing. I invented these. And I said, I think you'll find Muji and Millie and Ruby did that first. <laughs> and to the look on her face. Or somebody <laughs> will say, this is the first foundation with hyaluronic acid in. And I said, no, you they've always got hyaluronic not. acid in. It's just that they'd never told you before. <laughs> and you can see brand founders and brand owners watch me walk into a launch and just go, here she is. Oh, here Jesus. comes trouble. 
She's been around too long. We can't pull the wool over her eyes. But also, when you see young people testing anti-aging creams and they do their sort of, you know, they go, oh, it's really worked on my wrinkles. I always write, come back when you've actually got a wrinkle. Got and then tell me it works on it. Exactly. And it's why I've got so much respect for women in their 60s and 70s who look at me and tell me I'm young. I remember interviewing um, Dame Helen Mirren and I remember sitting down and you have these, it was a video interview and you have these back-to-back -back interviews. And I sat down and I just thought, poor woman has no idea who I am. So I better sit down and, and introduce myself. I said, I'm Nadine Baggett. I have a YouTube channel and an Instagram channel and it's for older women. And she sat down and she put her hand on my arm and she said, you're not older. <laughs> because you know, she's in her 70s. I know. My sister was saying to me who works in... Um... Who works it's in drama? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And she, so she makes she makes um, drama series and things like that. She got BAFTAs at all sorts, and uh, she wanted to make a, or she has this this idea to make um, a, a portal, a platform for um, older women. And um, but she want you know she was thinking like she doesn't want it. Do you want to be cool and funky and like we would expect it to be, you know? And I was saying, well, so what are we? What would we be trying to to attract? Like forty five, fifty? And she said, absolutely, no way. Nobody under sixty allowed on this platform. <laughs> it's just good on her. Okay, so I might then, Susan. Absolutely, <laughs> you're far too young for it. So um, and that, and you know. I don't think anything's going to happen with that, but it's and it's just the confidence that's coming with our generation of women who I think that we rode the wave on the back end of feminism. Mm -hmm. The first and wave, yeah. yeah. We, yes, that first wave. And we had that um, confidence that was in the zeitgeist, even if we weren't getting it from our mothers yet. It was surrounding us in terms of literature and learning and and the images that we were seeing and so on and we're just not willing to give it up i i always end my 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 talk about why brands should speak to women over 50 by saying um you know i'm 57 so madonna's what 61 i said i grew up with madonna as being my ideal older sister did you really think we were going to disappear onto the horizon and start knitting did you really think we were going to shut up because we're not right we're really not. And then so we had to have Helen Mirren say to me, who obviously was was raised in the in the height of the sort of 60s feminist movement. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're just not going to keep quiet. By, by the same token, I'm not a, generally a confrontational person. Um, I'm only ever argumentative when I think I'm right. Uh, so I don't <laughs> I don't see confrontation. I love it. I'm not confrontational. I only ever argue when I think I'm right. <laughs> but also getting older only an older woman could say that. say that but also getting older gives you the perspective of realizing when to shut up and learn yeah. as well and the black lives matter movement made you made me sort of just think actually nadine you don't know everything because although you've walked in your shoes i haven't walked in a 57 year old black woman's shoes and if i think i've overcome as a working class woman imagine what she's overcome so again mm -hmm. it's that perspective of thinking you know um, I remember watching the the Windrush um, uh, documentaries, and they're my generation. That 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 generation of of, of children that were were then uh, told that they might have to go back to the Caribbean. So so the Windrush generation were my parents' generation, and those children who were born here. And you think of everything I've overcome as a working class girl that went to a 
pretty rubbish sort of comprehensive school and a very average polytechnic and has achieved what I've achieved. And then you look at that generation and think, imagine they were the the, cho- the generation that that propped up the NHS and then suddenly they're just being told to go home. And you just it teaches you humility as well, getting older. So it's that weird mix of being incredibly confident, but realising your place in this whole scheme. Indeed. And that, that at the end of the day, you are as nothing. Mm. You come and go in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you a certain amount of responsibility to do something with that short period of time, but also gives you the perspective that also it is all meaningless. And you better not take anything too seriously psychologically, because actually you're not that important. No, in the big scheme of things, none of us individually are important. And I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, I I often think of that thing of, of, I remember watching my father die. And I remember thinking, I wonder what's going through his mind. And he was very unwell. And I regret not talking to him about it, but he was very unwell at the end. Um, And I think my parents' generation didn't talk about dying and getting unwell. So I think everybody was in denial about the whole process. And I hope that when my time comes, somebody will sit down and ask me how I feel about it and what I've learned in life. And I've worked, I've literally learned in life is that all that really matters is how you treat the other people around you. That's You're hugely so important. It is so correct. It is so correct. You are the sum of the relationships that you've had, I mm-hmm. think. And you do well. And that's to how you that. live on. And that is true longevity. Mm-hmm. So after yeah. I think of my father every day, every time I earn a pound or every time I'm kind to somebody, it's because of him. He taught me how to be kind and he taught me how to be strong. And that's how my father has longevity because he lives on through me. He also lives on through me because, by the way, everybody listening out there, we're doing this on video podcast because every time I get older, I'm morphing into my father. <laughs> I can see his face under my face. (laughs) So, yes, that's how he lives on. He is immortal through me Um, uh, because that's that's and he's the single most. When we go on to uh, talk about kindness, he's the single most important person in my life because he was the kindest person I knew. But absolutely, your longevity and your immortality eventually will come through how you live in people's memories. 100%. Longevity. Achieved through slow and steady progress or intermittent peaks and troughs, longevity is the mark of a life of constant calibration, connection and relevance. A willingness to learn, to slog and most of all to survive. Longevity is not handed to one like a gift. It is earned and deserves total respect. My guest was Nadine Baggett. I'm Alison Hogg and this is the Survival A to Z. Strategies to Thrive from business for life. Until next time, keep learning, keep it relevant, and keep surviving toward your goal.